Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with an erotic artist. Yeah, I know. You can't imagine me interviewing someone with this resume. But wait till you hear the whole story and you will understand why I had to bring her journey to the light of day. Anita Navar taught herself art in 2011, where she achieved international acclaim through various books and magazines, adorned the walls in the Big Brother TV series, and was the face of Sydney LGBTQ Mardi Gras. But it was what was going on a couple years prior to this that makes her story so incredible. Raised in a cult here in Australia, she ended up marrying a man 13 years older than her and birthing her two daughters. In 1999, after enduring nine years with this abusive man, she rounded up her three and five-year-old girls in the middle of the night and bolted from the only life she knew in an, into an unknown world, which she'd only ever been taught was evil. So as a solo mom, she started fresh and began building a new life, spending 10 years with another man and having her third child. She continued to uncover new pieces of herself and she shed the wounds as she shed those wounds of the past. With her art, she is bold, brash, and not afraid to test the boundaries. A far cry from where she came from. Like, I can't wait to discover how that transformation actually happened. So thank you, my friend, for opening up to us all and sharing how it can be possible to completely morph yourself into a new person. So I am like, I can't wait to get started. How are you feeling? Great. It's good to um, be chatting to you. <laughs> Woohoo! Let's do this. And, yeah. you know, I know we're audio here, but if you were visual, this is one lit up woman. Like she, I met her in a course and I just thought, I just need to know what the light is behind this woman. So she is beautiful. She is engaging, but there's something deeper. So if you're okay with it, and this is the thing, I met her like a soul sister, like right away. So if you're cool with it, 
I want to go back to that night in 99. Let's do your, it. Yeah. Yep. You, good on you. Cause <laughs> you wake your kids in the middle of the night. Somehow you find the courage to leave the only life you've ever known. I mean, how long did you plot leaving? Uh, a very long time, actually. It was, um, I was really unhappy and really scared for a long time. And I'd always thought of ways that I could go and how I could do it. Obviously being scared that um, what stopped me from going initially was being scared that my husband was going to find me and hurt me. And there was a huge fear there. So, so it was literally after an experience where he had tried to strangle me, where I had gone to my mum and said, I need to get out. So so what I did after years of wanting to do it, having that catalyst of actually going, that it's time, I actually packed everything in the night so it wasn't obvious that I was going to be leaving, uh, put the kids to bed, and um, I actually left in the morning. What I'd done is I'd arranged everything at night. I rang a removalist uh, that day and I'd said, I'm going to be leaving at 7 o'clock in the morning when my husband goes to work. Nothing is packed in boxes. We're going to be throwing things in the truck and we're going to be going and we need to get out quick. And that's what happened. He went off to work. The things that I'd rearranged to take, took out of the cupboard, grabbed the kids and off we went. And that was it. Did you <laughs> live in kid. fear for a long time that he would find you? So even though you were gone, yeah, he was still there? Yeah, absolutely. And he did find me. Like the story didn't end there. He actually found me and that abuse continued for many years after. But the beauty of going was that I was in my own space. I wasn't living under his roof and I wasn't enduring it every day. So um, eventually he, he disappeared completely. But having made that break, that biggest fear to do that initially, having made that break was exactly what I needed. So it was huge. Wow. It, it is huge. When I was young, you know, two little kids doing it all on my own. Yeah. It was looking back. It was, um, it was pretty brave. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. one of the most bravest things I've ever heard yeah. actually. And yeah. I was really just blown away that like the person that I was sitting in front of had done that because you just so lit up and there's like a happiness that pours out of you and you think, gosh, how did you endure that? And I mean, was there something about in, in terms of the abuse and what you experienced, I want to talk about the cults and beliefs, but I do want to know, was there something about the fact that he was so much older than you? Was there kind of like this domination inherent in the setup of that, that marriage? Um, look, I think being growing up in the cult, I was very naive. So, and even though I grew up in a cult, I grew up with parents that were very, very loving. So okay. I'd never experienced any domestic violence. I didn't know it existed. Um, the cult, in the cult, we weren't allowed to get, um, live with our partner before we got married. So I didn't actually really know this man. And he grew up in a family completely opposite to me of domestic violence and, you know, till the beat until they were bruised and bleeding as kids. And it was pretty horrific what he'd endured. But I didn't know any of that until I had married him and moved in with him. And then his issues, then I suppose, you know, that projected onto me. Um, so I was just in shock. And look, for me, it's, you know, when I met him at 17 and he was that bit older, it was, 
it was a sexual energy, you know, I was attracted to this man and um, I just saw it as, um, I don't know, it was just fun, but I wasn't allowed to sleep with him. I had to marry him to sleep with him. So yeah. Does that rush, does that rush the, uh, the courting process? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, in one minute you, you're eyeing somebody off, six months later you're married and yeah. you're with somebody that you don't even know. So, you know, in a different world, I would never have married him. I would never have been with him longer than, you know, probably even a few months because I would have actually seen the man on the other side of the door. Um, so, yeah, it, it was an interesting experience and I must say that once I was in it and it, it started from the wedding day, like he pushed me over on our wedding day in front of all of our guests. Um, I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, shit, I'm locked into this. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get out. Like this is my life now. So wow. being young, not having the experience, only knowing the rules of the cult thrown into this domestic violence relationship, I had, been hit by this Mack truck and didn't know what to do. So um, what were your beliefs? So you mentioned yeah. that. So I want to know as you're 17 heading into this relationship, like what are the beliefs that you were taught around marriage? Cause you said, Oh, I'm locked in. What were you taught around sexuality? What were you taught yeah. about your husband? Yeah. Marriage was sacred. Once you're married, you cannot get a divorce. Doesn't matter what happens, you're with that person for life. Um, according to the religion, the only way you can get out of it is if you commit adultery, uh, which was, you know, a huge, it was a big no-no. Um, because if you did that, then the repercussions of, you know, the religion or not achieving what the religion promises you was just this fear and guilt. So you stay in a marriage that is unhealthy because this fear and guilt and what you've been told you have to do. Um, sexuality, no sex before marriage. You're not allowed to experience being a sexual being. You know, sex is a, a, a dirty thing. Oral sex is just disgusting. You know, only um, evil people do things like that. And so growing up as a teenager and coming into your, you know, you're experiencing all these feelings, you're attracted to, to people. It's, um, there's a lot of fear and guilt behind it because you're taught that it's a, a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so you don't evolve into a normal sexual human being. You're, it's, there's, it's just all scare tactics behind it. Yeah, got it. Yeah. And what about God? What is God? Who is God to you? Uh, when you were just like, yeah. I know this, I can't wait to hear what it is now. But um, yeah, who is God to you then? Who was God to me then? God was some fictitious being in the sky that you would pray to every night to <laughs> forgive your sins. Um, and that you were told was watching over everything that you did. So, you know, you will constantly, if you did say you're in your room and you chuck out a sneaky, um, you know, you masturbate, <laughs> chuck yeah. out a sneaky one. You know, the next thought was that, oh my God, he's watching. Like I've just, I'm the biggest sinner. So yeah. you can't live a normal life because there's this being in the sky that's watching every single move you make, um, which makes you feel bad for everything that you do that we're doing the things you're told you're not allowed to do. So did you feel like you were, um, did you feel like a lot of guilt often and, and like you were a baddie in a way? Yeah, or did you, yeah? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I have always remembered being a sexual being and from a young age, 
Um, I was always fascinated by it coming into teenage years. And so there was a lot of this energy that I was suppressing. I was so repressed. And so when thoughts would enter my head or I'd, you know, I would do something that I wasn't allowed to do or that I was told was wrong, guilt through the roof. Yeah. yeah. So it, it starts to shape you as that you're a bad person, that you're doing the wrong thing. So yeah. I don't, I, I just, I didn't contemplate asking this question till now, but yeah. imagine you thought about a girl named Anita who was an erotic artist back then. <laughs> who who would she have been for you and your family? Yeah. She would have been a sinner. Yeah, she would have been somebody that you would never talk to or go near. She would be evil. And the world, you were taught that the world was full of that, full of yeah. people, um, full of Anitas out there. And yeah. so you had to leave and start fresh as a mom. How did you yeah. navigate that? Like, it must have been really fear-ridden about people. Like, to you, they were all these evil entities. When did, how did you navigate that? Yeah, Look, it was huge because when you leave uh, a cult, because they've segregated you from the outside world and they've told you everybody's evil, you're then thrown into a world where you know nobody and your perception is you, you're so scared because you don't know who to trust or who to talk to and you're still scared to talk to people. Um, so for me, navigating that, look, uh, having the children was good because it gave me attention to just spend time with them and, you know, get, get our little house sorted and get back on track together um, as opposed to being completely alone. So, you know, I had the unconditional love of these two beautiful little girls. So my attention was diverted somewhat, but I then had to start integrating with society, uh, you know, and doing things, taking the girls to, you know, daycare parties and things like this and meeting other mums and, and so it, it was tricky at first because you're a little bit socially inadequate. You know, you, for what you believe or what you've experienced is so different from the outside world. Yeah. But I must say, it didn't take me long. I, I always carried, probably for about 10 years, I carried the, the, the guilt of, oh, am I doing the right thing? You know, is somebody kind of God going to come and get me um, because of the way I'm now living my life? But I didn't like, I integrated probably, it took me about a year. And then I started to really see that the, what we'd been told about the outside world was just total bullshit. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and there were awesome people out there. There were people that were more trustworthy and loving and, you know, empathetic than the people that were in the cult. It was, yeah, it was a complete crock of shit, really, what we'd been told. Yeah. Um, so once I realized that, it was a beautiful thing. And, you know, I then started to, that's when my life really changed because I then had the trust to um, throw myself into this world I had never known. And so when you're talking to your girls in this new world, this new home, and you said you're, you're together a lot, yeah. um, were they too young to have that impact? Well, no, they weren't. So three and five, yeah. they, they got something, right? They felt something. Yeah. How, do you, how did you talk to them in that move? How did you talk to them in this transitionary period? It, look, it was tricky because they were very young and they don't really understand what's going on. And even though their dad was abusive, they, they didn't understand. Like they, they would miss him as well because he was always there. Um, so that they struggled a little bit initially, especially when he had found me and he wanted to see the kids. 
Um, and they struggled with, you know, why couldn't they go with dad? Um, but as they got older, it was great. You know, it was giving them that love and, you know, really trying to talk to them the best I could at their level to keep them safe and help them understand. It's now I see the repercussions of that got it. because they've grown everything that I instilled in them or helped them with or their anxieties from the separation. They are now just the most amazing young women and, you know, they're, they're so confident and empowered and so emotionally smart and you know and they say to me now mum we are so glad that you left and you didn't live with dad because our life would have been completely different so it was hard work and it was a big journey over the years but I have these beautiful adult children now which is wonderful you know the reality could have been very different had I've stayed because they would have experienced the life that he did growing up, which was very damaging. Mm. There's something emotional, you know, about showing your kids directly courage, you know, showing them, you know, they don't have the words for what they're experiencing, but now, now you're seeing that's what you gave them. Yeah. That emotional courage that, and I'm getting that you have told them, you know, when, like that over the years, you did tell them what you experienced as a oh, wife, absolutely. did you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we talk about everything now. So probably from teenage age, like early teens, we started to really dive into the nuts and bolts of that behavior and things that happened. And, you know, they, they do still see their dad, like not all the time, but they still see him and they're very, they know, they know that everything I've told them, they're, they're pretty smart. Yeah, they see his behaviour. He's still the same person that he was when I was married to him, what, 20 odd years ago, more than 20 years ago. And I'm a different person. So, Yeah, yeah. that's interesting in its own right. Because, and I mean, your, your transition is so dramatic. I mean, talk to me a little bit about, this is just, you know, the Hollywood script, living in a (laughs) cult to erotic artist, (laughs) right? Of course, I know, there's I a whole it. life in between. But what <laughs> beliefs did you grow up with in relation to sexuality and how do you transform it to where you are now? Yeah, look, those beliefs of, you know, that it was a bad thing, like I was saying earlier, that's a, they're really hard to crack when you actually leave the cold and you've been so, it, it's been so brainwashed into you that, you know, this is a terrible thing. I I think for me, as I had left and then started to embrace who I was and get to know myself better and tap into that side of my sexuality and started to express it and experiment with it as well, you know, what I was comfortable with and build myself up and then got to realise that this being a sexual being and this sexuality is an empowering thing. It's not a bad thing. It's you shouldn't be fearful or guilty it's something that makes you an amazing person because there's also a lot of love in that and love for yourself love for others yeah it's but it it, it's a journey it was a journey I won't say it was easy in the beginning but now it's I live and breathe it it's just part of my being yeah so and I love to empower others especially with that you know that story And interestingly enough, my mum, who was very, very, um, she was very naive as well. And I mean, she never talked to us about sex or anything like that growing up, you know, and as I evolved into this sexual being and I started painting these erotic paintings and, you know, she'd, 
you know, see photos of me out in the wild. And she actually had to have therapy to deal with it because she was so... I love your brother. This is awesome. She was so traumatised. She would come, even come to my house with the paintings on the wall and she would put her hands up on the side of her face like a horse with blinkers on. (laughs) She couldn't see the artwork. (laughs) I'm semi-picturing a lot of... Oh, sorry. I'm I'm not going to call out my family, but I could see it happening, yes. Yeah, but you know what's really interesting about that is now my mum, and if you've seen one of my latest Facebook Facebook posts where I'm handing my mum a big black dildo from a (laughs) company that I was given, my mum, through my, um, you know, embracing my sexuality and continuing this journey, my mum has now turned to my side and it doesn't bother her anymore and she... When I handed her that dildo, she laughed her head off and she loved it. So to see this woman go from that experience of what I had in the beginning to now being empowered herself has made that all worth it, just in that. Is she still with your dad? Yeah, yeah, they've been together forever. Mum and mum was 16 when she married dad, so... And yeah. how's, how's dad coping? Oh, yeah, dad's cool. My dad's like this crazy Italian. <laughs> he don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's awesome i definitely take after my dad we're just loud and yeah boisterous <laughs> oh wow well what a, what a cool thing you just shared there about the ripple effect yeah. you know yeah. that that the you know you the daughter really transforming your mom and, yeah. and her willingness to go to therapy to kind of work it out because right. she sounds hilarious <laughs> So like just your art and your experience, how does it enter into the art that you create? How does it kind of like manifest in there? Yeah. Look, it's interesting because in the beginning when I started painting this erotic work, I didn't understand where it was coming from. All I knew was that something attracted me to this um, powerful naked female form. And as my work evolved and I went from like nudity to BDSM pieces and then, you know, um, homoerotic pieces and, and what it, it only really hit me probably in the last six months, why I do what I do. And especially doing the course that you and I did um, and uncovering a lot about myself, it was so fucking clear. It's not funny, but that repression and that, you know, not being able to be a sexual being over the years in my artwork, I've let all this stuff out. And it's just, it's allowed me to be who I really want to be. It's allowed me to put into the public arena, um, empowering other people to embrace their sexuality. You know, love who you want to love. You know, if you want to love a man and you're a man, go for it. You know, you know, just be who you are. Um, and embrace it. So it's definitely my work, my painting has come from my experiences and I love it. It's just, look, I'm excited for what's coming next. (laughs) Yeah. I want to, I want to get to that in a second, actually, because I find that that vision for your future so intriguing. And, but, but I do want to, we mentioned this before we put, we pressed the go button and we talked about other people's response to you and what you do, right? And we discussed yeah. how, um, you know, you kind of like stir people up. You don't mean to, you're just being you, but how yeah. does that, 
make you feel? And what do you think your role may be inside of the everyday space, you know, because you said it's normalized for you, but you can yeah. see, you've noticed, even yesterday, you noticed that people um, clam up a little bit. They get a little yeah. bit uncomfortable. So, so what's going on there and how do you deal with it? Yeah, look, like exactly what you said. Like for me, this is second nature now. I, I don't have any triggers. I'm so empowered by all of this. I, I live and breathe it. It makes me happy and I just I throw it out there without even a second thought. And then when I see the reactions of others, I see then their triggers. So, um, you know, they either it scares them or they clam up and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to know about it like my mum was initially. Um, and there's a real fear there. So for me, I guess I, I'm noticing those triggers in others. And I, I try not, like, I don't think I take it personally if they don't want to know about it or they want to run away. Um, I guess for me, I just want to know how to tap into that to also help them with their triggers. And I hope through my work over time and where it ends up and talking to people about it that I can help others, like, no. Yeah, because I think you yeah. have a very unique journey, um, which to me says you can speak to the discomfort because you yeah. were that discomfort and, and you've transitioned there, which may not always be the case. Maybe it is, yeah. maybe it is, but I feel that you, um, whether you mean to or not, you may have a role there. You know, yeah. there's some form of journey that you take people on, whether yeah. it's your mom that's right as the test case one success tick mom uh, that'd be awesome that's your new, that's your website guinea pig mom success uh, bring on the others but uh, yeah I, I do think life is bringing that your way i did tell you that before that not many erotic artists would be sitting in the room that you were sitting in yesterday and that in itself yeah. is unique yeah yeah okay i have to ask you this because i'm dying to know this okay. so, <laughs> As this is, you know, the center of this podcast was based around um, dreaming and manifesting your dreams. Yes. So I do ask a lot of people um, who've achieved success in their life, what were your dreams for your life as a little girl? Did you ever dream that your life would look the way it does now? Absolutely not. <laughs> what did you dream for your life? When I was a little girl, I was always... I created from the very beginning, as early as I can remember, kindergarten, you know, coloring in a big banana. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. <laughs> and it turned black. My first memory. Yeah. A big banana and I won this coloring competition. And I colored that motherfucker to perfection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Oh and, and I was always creating. I was always either drawing or building things or, you know, I was always entering in color, coloring competitions. And, and I always, as I grew up, I wanted to be a sign writer. So, you know, I wanted to paint buildings and um, things like that. But I never imagined being an erotic artist. I knew I'd do something in the arts because of that creativity I had. And I just fell into the painting side of things. It was literally one day, it was after I'd left my, ran away from my husband. And I sat down with a canvas on the floor and some paint. And I thought, I might just paint a painting for my wall. And that's where it started. Oh, and wow. so it then just evolved from there. So, 
there's something really intriguing about this. So there was a creativity, there was like an artist in you early yeah. days. And yet the erotic part of it, it, there's a, you know, a bit of a quality to that, that you feel like, no, never imagine that. No. Um, but somehow the bananas were, were coming in <laughs> past interiors, however they could get in there. <laughs> Only thing allowed in the cult doors. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, so where are you headed now? Like, what's the dream of, I, I like to, I call everybody a girl. You're still a girl. What's the, what's this girl dreaming these days? Look, my big vision, and I've had it for quite a few years, but I guess I held myself back because sometimes when you have these massive dreams, there's this little voice in your head that can say, oh, you're dreaming like that's way, you know, that's way out there. Um, but after doing this course that we did and realising that nothing is impossible, you know, it's basically the only person stopping you is you and anything's achievable. So my dream is that I want to get this art out to empower people, but I want to take it big scale. So I want to tap into a community that has a voice that is also empowering people. So for me, particularly, like I was saying, you know, the um, GLBTQ community, because, you know, there's, there's so many people it's sort of against or so much hatred for it that, I want to also empower people sort of in that arena to be happy with who they are and get it out there. So I want to go to America and I've already started tapping into that where I'm approaching people who are in that arena and saying, Hey, let's collaborate and let's be a voice to empower this community and get this message out to the world. Um, and so I'm just making it happen. And I got my first, uh, big commission from a queer artist over oh, in Toronto. Yeah, so that's that's pretty exciting. But it's really not playing small anymore with this, you know, not hiding in a little corner and just painting my studio and, you know, hoping the world will see it. I want to be a voice and, and get it out there in a big way. Yeah. And what's the, the little doubter voice that comes in? What is it saying? It's it's a fear thing. It's a fear. It's it's a couple of things with it. It's a fear that what if you achieve this? What do you do then? Because it's a, the fear of the unknown. Um, once you get into this world, what's going to happen? Um, the other fear is, is it possible to make it happen? So there's this push and pull. Um, I, I can get away, get the voice out of my head pretty quickly these days. <laughs> but yeah. it does, you know, from your conditioning growing up, there's, it, it does come in. So, yeah, and I, I'm glad you said it because yeah. um, I think that people can really relate to that voice and yeah. I love that it's still there, but that you identify it, you recognize yeah. it and you keep going. Yeah, that's right. There's something about verbalizing it because just when you said that out loud, I thought, oh my word, it's exactly what you did yeah. with your kids, like the unknown, as yes. if you don't know what it's like to head into the unknown. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, that voice can still tell you things like that. And yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So I think people will thank you for that because as people go for their dreams, um, yeah, they also have voices in there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I appreciate that. And I just want to appreciate you for being so open and um, approachable with your story. There's something, I don't know why, but I do feel that there is something therapeutic about your journey for people. Yeah. Um, and you know, I know you have a vision, like you're pretty clear, um, 
of where you're going, but you know, there's a processional effect, I think happening. That's what we learned at our course. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I just see these people showing up, um, looking very uncomfortable. Um, and yet your <laughs> smile is so big um, that they just, it's irresistible. So yeah. thank you for opening up to me, allowing me to have discomfort and move through yeah, it. No. <laughs> yeah, of course you use that word. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you so much and I look forward to deepening our friendship. It's beautiful. Wonderful. Me too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.